season's greetings from the void, everybody! And welcome to another episode of Chronic Media Consumption. My name is Kelly. And I'm Michelle. And today we are talking about overrated holiday classic films. And because some good ones. Tis, tis the season. <laughs> it tis is. the freaking season. <laughs> we, we can make some recommendations for you and you just have some of our opinions because... If you've noticed, we're kind of drowning in options when it comes to holiday films. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, the holiday movies that we are going to be discussing are all going to be Christmas-related, unfortunately. That is because that's predominantly what gets released during this time of year. Christmas has become the most monetized holiday. They haven't quite monetized Kwanzaa and Hanukkah to the same degree, or the winter solstice no. even. So we're, we just have a lot more content to go in this space. If you do have a favorite Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, or winter solstice film that you would like us to talk about, please drop us a line. Yes, definitely drop us a line. Because I know, I just looked this up. There are 12 religious holidays that are celebrated in the month of December alone. <laughs> and that is not all Christian. And the fact that we only focus on this one, as Hollywood has dis- determined that December 25th is the most important money day <laughs> in, like, in the world, even though it's more a Western ideal, is a little bit upsetting. We grew up in the Americanized christianity i suppose as portrayed by hollywood yeah it's the christmas cult because yes they're always they're always striving for this perfect fictional christmas day and they make it so much more important than it is i mean christmas is fun gift giving and the pageantry and all of that but you know it's you're you're not gonna in nature but still correct like we can go into the origin of the holiday and and where a lot of the symbolism comes from and why we have evergreen trees and all that fun stuff but we're not going to but they do have a little bit more of a high stakes way of playing with christmas like if you don't get the right gift your child will hate you forever and it always it stank heavily of capitalism for me so much i mean let's let's just point out a couple of different a couple of different titles that were specifically capitalistic in nature jingle all the way was specifically one man's journey his quest to find the toy for his son <laughs> you're you're absolutely right jingle all the way is a perfect example of it and the amount of energy i mean they treated that film like it was an action film they had arnold schwarzenegger being an action star fighting to be able to get this stupid toy <laughs> this is like because if he didn't get it his he was a bad father because he promised he was going to get it before the lesson that i feel that all these people are failing to learn because they always inevitably succeeded in the end and the christmas spirits took them and they were all so happy and yay kumbaya they fail to realize that the problem isn't the holiday it's that they aren't keeping their promises <laughs> don't say you're gonna do something if you're not gonna do it because that makes you a shitty human being okay 
that's a basic premise. It wasn't just Arnold Schwarzenegger making these mistakes. It seemed to be a universal thing in the universe of Jingle All the Way. So yeah. many parents, like that scene where they were all trying to like basically kill each other to get the last supply of them that were on the shelves trampling over each other. It's insane. Which is now a staple of the holiday season in this right? country. Right? Uh, Tell me, I'll know anybody. Holy yes. Shit. And I mean, that that all leads into like the, the whole culture of capitalism that we have. Black Friday, that that is a phenomenon that I have friends whose entire families do Thanksgiving where they have all of the food and all this stuff. They watch the Macy's Day Parade and woo, which is in and of itself capitalist, um, doing all that fun stuff. And then they go after they finish their meal to start waiting in line at their favorite stores so they can be there before the door is open for Black Friday. The doorbuster deals. And now there are stores that that are open on Thanksgiving Day. Yes. Which is unbelievably aggravating for any of us who have worked in retail. Yeah. And know the pain of trying to get any kind of holiday off to spend with your family or friends. Now you have to add Thanksgiving to the list because people just got to have their new TVs. They just got to have their Tickle Me Elmos. Yep. You know, like, I thought the whole reason for the season was the fact that it's the darkest days, the coldest nights, and you're wanting to survive the winter by being with the people who matter most to you you're right it's it's not it's not but it's been subverted and there are a lot of people who are separating that from the current capitalist style and they're kind of trying to re-harness that family togetherness appreciation for survival and cultural traditions which is great but that doesn't really make more money for the big executives so we're not seeing that on film most of the time Um, and let's be fair there are plenty of movies out there that are trying to say that in their overarching message but in the background they're still working their money magic yeah 100 percent. i mean i think one of the great examples of you know the what money they can make is scrooged and Mm -hmm. also you know poking fun at it so that, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's one of my family's favorite. I love, I love that movie. <sighs> so good. It's The Christmas Carol, but it's revamped for you know a new time. It, it was came out in 1988 and they updated The Christmas Carol, which is you know, a classic. A lot of the things that we have in modern Christmas tradition, we can blame on The Christmas Carol and how that a lot of that was entirely, you know, Charles Dickens trying to come up with something. These were not popular traditions, actions. This wasn't what a regular Christmas looked like in Victorian England. But when his books came out, everyone wanted to have the perfect Christmas as referenced in The Christmas Carol. And so they brought a lot of those traditions into the mainstream and they have survived till today. And I don't think he knew what he was doing. Gonna make a buck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
he was trying to sell his books, I believe by the word is how he was paid. Which is why his sentences go on forever. And he <laughs> describes every little last thing. Believe me, fantastic wordsmith. But Jesus, we don't need to know every single leaf's shape on that wreath. Yes, exactly. And there is a really interesting um, analysis. I believe the BBC did the breakdown of the Christmas Carol and this where he got a lot of his stories and theming. But this is one of the most remastered, redone stories. They have so many different adaptations and versions. They have the Muppet Christmas Carol. They have Love it. all of these different ones. It is a beloved and well-known story. I've seen it live on stage at least six times. I've seen that more than I've seen the Nutcracker. And... It is still, you know, a good story. I the the lesson that is learned is a pretty good lesson, but it's still a lesson that's within the scene and setting that he was writing it from, you know? So it's not a as universal as some people like to think it is. But Scrooge is basically showing the modern interpretation of a money hungry executive guy who doesn't care about anyone else uh, missing everything else that's going on around him because they are so self-involved and then figuring out what they did wrong and learning from those lessons but it's done in such a great comedic way they it's so 80s too it's so 80s Oh my gosh. That's... You've got Bobcat Goldthwaite as somebody who's been disgruntled and fired by the main character who is played by Bill Murray. Fantastic. <laughs> like, Bobcat Goldthwaite could only exist in this realm in the 80s. Yeah. He's so amazing. <laughs> He's, he was, the, he was the, the shooter, right? The Yeah. 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 He okay. was the one who was fired early on in the film. Yeah. Went tried to figure out what he was doing with his life for the rest of the day because this only takes place in the course of in one day. One day, yep. Um, and he ends up turning to drinking. He sells his blood. He, I think he gets divorced at the yeah. same time. Yeah. He loses his house and then he comes in at the very end with a gun. He's trying to kill Bill Murray. Yes. But then he becomes the accomplice in trying to revitalize Christmas as the way that it should be. <laughs> And he holds he holds the production booth a hostage while he just while Bill Murray takes over the production on stage. Oh my god, so hilarious! Such a great concept. I love yes. it. They do such a good job of of revamping the story and getting the core of it with all the humor, but they also really kind of recontextualized it because the. Christmas Carol originally has, you know, the the wealthy landlord who is, you know, thoughtless and cruel to others. He's just has a bunch of money and he he's the Scrooge McDuck. He wants to get as much money as he can, keep it all to himself. But this one is showing that like the context is he is a an executive in, you know, broadcasting. He has a lot of money. He lives in a high rise. He has all these, you know, fancy cars, fancy fancy everything and he he has all the right secretary buys yeah his secretary buys the christmas gifts for his family and friends because he's so removed so yeah that is one that they do 
a fantastic job with and still one that I go back and watch over and over. (laughs) It's so good. And another classic that is a revamping of a story that is in its own right completely timeless is uh, the stop motion movies those stop motion christmas movies the the frosty snowman and the rudolph the road-nosed reindeer the heat miser and the frost miser (laughs) yep exactly they i'm mr white christmas Christmas. Uh mr snow (laughs) and now i can only i'm i'm seeing arnold schwarzenegger again but as mr freeze that That is a fabulous visual so i have issues with the rudolph message in general i feel it's extremely ableist you're only somebody who's going to be accepted if you are useful Mm -hmm. it's terrible but it is a you know cute approach to the story and the stop motion is truly ridiculous like you're just like this is what are these stuffed animals what's happening as a child, yeah. I was extremely confused. As an adult, I think I'm more confused than I was as a child. <laughs> Watching it again, I'm just like, how is this? Why? What? Okay. The the way that the misers were animated, they were uh, frightening to me. Yeah. As a young, young kid. And those were from the 60s? Uh, yeah. 1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer yep, TV special. Yep, 1964. You're right. That's I, You beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, they, they did they did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They did Little Drummer Boy, Frosty the Snowman, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. 64, 68, 69, and 70. And then they remade the same things in 2001 with animation. And honestly, terrifying. I don't know if you've seen it. Like, you should look up the Rudolph 2001 because I can't. It. Whoa. <laughs> so they took the exact same character designs and then 3D animated it? Yes. I honestly feel like this was some kid's class project and they were doing, they were like, I'm really good at using Unity. And they're like, okay. Can you make a 3D model of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Absolutely. And it's just a frame-by-frame exact replica. (laughs) That's terrifying. Yeah, that's... that's, Oh, God. (laughs) What's funny, though, is that this is actually bringing back a memory of mine. Because that was called Rudolph the the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys. Yep. And that is actually bringing back... Oh my goodness, this had this has long since been gone from my brain. But I don't know if anybody who's listening to this podcast knows of the classic comedy duo, Laurel and Hardy. Absolutely. But I do. I, I grew up watching them, even though I'm not that old. <laughs> there was a movie made in 1934 called... The March of the Wooden Soldiers, which is a Laurel and Hardy film that follows all of these classic fairy tale characters and the island of misfit toys. And it's it's got a Scrooge theme. It's got like they they released it in black and white and then somebody colorized it. And so I've seen both versions of it. And 
it was when they were trying to do like comedians in classic storylines, which they've done with both Laurel and Hardy and Abbott and Costello. Um, hmm. And it's, it's such a bizarre little film and the set design in it is just fascinating. It's slightly horrifying and also really interesting. Okay. But I, I just looked it I up can't... and I'm like, interesting. Yeah. It is. Because you've got, oh my goodness. Oh my God. I'm trying in my head. You've got Laurel and Hardy who are playing Ollie D and Stanley Dumb. So like Tweedle D and Tweedle, Tweedle, Tweedle Dumb. Yep. And you've got Bo Peep. Who is trying to be wooed by evil Barnaby, who's very much a Scrooge type character, but is also in love with, I think, he's dressed like Peter Pan, but it could also be a Robin Hood. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but it's definitely a a film of that era because it is so overacted and so cheesy, but it's so interesting. Just the way that everything is animated, the, the, it's... I can't even get into it. <laughs> we, don't that, need to, that we don't need me, to dive too deep into it. <laughs> no, I won't. But that, for me, that was a really interesting movie that would air on, I think, like TBS or something during the holiday season. That hmm. was just something, it was usually something that was on a weekend or like late at night that nobody else was watching unless you just could not sleep. And my parents like videotaped it for me. And I think we had two VHS copies taped from the tv one in color and one not and i just liked watching it it didn't make sense to me but it was fun to watch because the things that were on it were different they were unusual and stan laurel and oliver hardy were just weird funny people to watch because they were humorous they were very much of the slapstick era they were very very funny yeah they're they're great I I don't think it holds that, up well with today. <laughs> no, but yeah, that just that sparked another memory for me thinking Misfit Toys. One of my favorite stories was the the Hans Christian Anderson, I believe, did the Steadfast Soldier, Steadfast Sin Soldier. I don't know if you're familiar with that little fairy tale, but it's a tin soldier with one leg who falls in love with a ballerina. It's very cute. But that sounds familiar. They did Disney did a version of it in Fantasia 2000, which is one of I, I there was another version prior to that that I enjoyed, but that was the version that I like most recently enjoy. And of course, the Jack in the Box is the villain who is trying to own the you know little jewelry box ballerina, and the Tin Soldier must save her. It's very very cute, but that's another misfit toy that kind of makes me think of that but yeah so that those are some of the the interesting holiday ones but like speaking of like stranger animation one of the most classic and beloved is nightmare before christmas can be halloween or christmas movie folks it it is both totally fine (laughs) you don't have to get into the argument everybody is fine with it being both yeah and i mean i will say it's a holiday movie which doesn't need to be you know, a specific holiday. It is just in general holiday. I've always wondered if they're going to do a sequel that was going into any of the other doors in the trees that they had and seeing Easter (laughs) and what it is in in their world. Like I thought that would be intriguing, but 
it's something that is like an outsider perspective of Christmas. And one of the things I like about it is for, like, if you have no context for Christmas, Christmas is crazy. It makes no yeah. sense. When you start talking about this guy who delivers presents around the world, to every child, good, bad, they get the coal or they get the little treat. They're on the list. Um, he sees you when you're sleeping. He sees you when you're awake. <laughs> what like how sounds like somebody needs to be put on a sex offender list yeah i'm concerned this is yeah "Mm." and the fact that this is all based off of the marketing ad for coca-cola that it's the the image that we have right now that the story is a strange hodgepodge of different cultures who all had a father christmas father winter of some kind and they are just like we're gonna mush them all into one even if they have contradicting stories we don't care he's in the north pole he has you know uh mrs claus he likes milk and cookies he has elves that make his toys for him he has reindeer reindeer that fly okay so it's just there's a lot of this crazy stuff and i think that nightmare over christmas does a good job of showing how weird everything is out of it. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus. <laughs> and, and they think it's claws with a yeah, W. Yeah. But I, I'm not one of those people that Nightmare for Christmas is my entire personality. Nothing wrong with that. I know some people who are like that. You know, more power to you. It's awesome. I go over to your house and I admire your decor. It's great. Should I sing this song again? <laughs> This is Halloween. It is also me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're they're, they're an interesting one, but the the artistry is what I'm so fascinated with. The ability of getting all of this through claymation and having the amount of time that went into still conveying emotion and story and drama and lighting and sets damn like impressive yeah i mean damn right just it's amazing how you can make a a stop motion character that is supposed to be a skeleton have a moving like moving lips even though he doesn't have lips yeah and can smile and has all heartfelt emotion like he 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 doesn't have eyeballs, but yet his eye sockets convey <laughs> surprise, delight, <Yep>. alarm. <laughs> it's fascinating. And again, like the whole Tim Burton aesthetic is something that I aspired to for a small portion of my life. I love I love Tim Burton's film aesthetic. We're not on a Tim Burton rant. We could definitely do that on another episode. But for the holiday season, especially for what we like to call overrated classics, three movies come to mind for me. I'm going to start with a lesser known one, and it's Miracle on 34th Street. The original one was from 1947, and then it was remade in 1994 with Dermot Mulroney, Elizabeth Perkins, and you had Richard Attenborough, who most people would recognize as John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Spared no expense. And, and of course, Matilda, the girl who played Matilda, Mara Wilson. But this, this story is about a man who is auditioning to be or was hired as the Macy's Santa Claus 
and his name on his legal documents and everything is Chris Kringle. And everyone's like, oh, haha, that's funny. And he claims that, no, he is actually Santa Claus. He is the Chris Kringle. And so he gets institutionalized for this because they think he's crazy. And it follows this whole, like, legal battle on trying to determine whether or not this man is who he says he is or should be committed to an asylum for the rest of his days. Which is like, exactly what we would do. Exactly what we would do. <laughs> and it's, it's the fact that this is a holiday movie is only because it's based around Christmas time because the themes involved with it, this is, this is not meant for kids. I don't think because you're talking about an actual legal battle that like we're determining the outcome of a man's life. Mm-hmm. He is under the delusion that he is a mystical, mythical creature that can go around the world in 24 hours and deliver packages to literally every being on, on earth. And that opens another question on how we handle people with mental illness or perceived mental illness, delusions. If somebody came and claimed to be the Messiah today, in most cases, they would also be committed. A few cases, they would open a church in Florida and own like three jets and everyone thinks they are, in fact, Jesus. But oh, yeah, but it, it's something that like we I, I'm very unhappy with the met, the way we handle mental health in general in the US yeah. but mm-hmm. it makes you wonder like are there actually people who are if there was such a thing as fantasy magic you know some, some of these abilities out there and they claim that in front of the wrong person they're immediately getting drugged up in a hospital <laughs> oh my goodness yes yes definitely and there are tumblr posts thousands of Tumblr posts actually that bring up this very good point it's like how we are conditioned to love the idea of the fantastical the mystical the magical in film tv and books you know but in real life we are also conditioned to not believe anybody everyone mm-hmm. is a skeptic we are like yeah sure pull the other one you know so mm-hmm. that there are people that are sitting there going like no, you don't understand. Like, the Tumblr post is like, no, you don't understand. I'm a vampire. Like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. I don't really like mornings either. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no, I drink blood. <laughs> sure, sure. And just the joke back and forth that we are so beaten down with the the mundane of everyday life that if there was something this terrifying or this magical and mystical and fantastical in front of our faces... We, we would be like, okay, what's the trick? Exactly. So these movies, I think the both versions of Miracle on 34th Street were meant to try and bring the magic back to the season. They're like, I no, don't... see, you can't prove that he's not Chris Kringle. And therefore, you know, you can't prove that he is. So you can't commit a man because he... He, you don't believe that he is who he says he is. I, I don't like it. I don't like it either. And <laughs> the whole the whole concept is is screwy. I I have a December birthday, and for years, relatives who didn't really know me thought that it was a great idea to give me Christmas movies as my birthday present. Oh my god, really? Yeah, and Miracle I'm on Thirty so Fourth Street was one of them that I got. 
And it was one of them that I liked. I mean, they always gave me like the Santa Claus and Jingle All the Way and you know, a couple others. But Miracle on 31st Street was definitely the one that like sticks with me because I had it on VHS and the way it was wrapped and everything, I thought it was this big gift. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Big giant oh, yeah. birthday gift. So excited. And I open it and it's just a bunch of bo- like pe- packing peanuts. And I dug through all the packing peanuts and I pulled out Miracle on 34th Street. I was like, thanks. And this movie is also very much an advertisement because what is on 34th Street? Macy's. Macy's. 34th Street of New York City is the Macy's location. I think that's the Macy's headquarters. That's the first first location, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I've been inside it. They still have old wooden escalators. Really? They're terrifying. Yes. That sounds really cool. <laughs> They're so narrow. Oh my god. They You can only go up them one person at a time. Like one person wide. And I think they have like five floors. But yeah, I've been inside. It's a department store. Meh. It's just, it's the same as any department store. But it's it's just, it's gigantic. And they have these tiny, tiny little old wooden escalators that's the only draw for me that it's a tourist trap for that but again it's a store yep it's immediately bringing the they're they're not saying miracle at macy's because that would be wrong but miracle on 34th street where macy's is located you know that's okay it's fine capitalism It's (laughs) it's all about the santa that's being hired to the guy that's being hired to play santa at macy's for the Macy's Day Parade and to sit there and, you know, ask children, what do you want for Christmas? And tell the parents exactly where they can find it yep. in that Macy's store. And it, the premise of the story, as an adult watching it now, it annoys me. As a kid, it didn't really interest me. It wasn't something that was, like, it wasn't one of my favorite stories. My sister watched it and I was there. <laughs> And she enjoyed the film, but I was like, nah, it's it's not really for me. Mostly because it's legal drama. Yep. I hated that as a kid. I don't want to sit there listening to somebody spout off legalese. (laughs) Like, why? Why would I want to watch that as a child? But one of the things that I thought was interesting between the difference, the difference between the 1947 version and the 1994 version was how they inevitably got the case dismissed. Yep. In 1947, that version, they basically contact the post office and say, hey, all of the the letters that you currently have in the dead letter office addressed to Santa Claus or Kris Kringle, bag them all up, bring them to the courthouse, and we will unload them on this man saying, these are all the kids that are writing to you. Here is your mail. And that's how the judge says, oh, yeah, sure, that's right. This is all his mail. So he is Chris Kringle. Case closed. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it's almost worse when you look at how it was handled in the 1994 one. Yes, they did the same thing. They did bring in all of the letters from the dead letter office. But inevitably, they brought up the existence of the words under God on currency, saying 
we're built on a nation under God and under God, we can't prove the existence or non-existence of God. Therefore, how can you prove the existence or non-existence of Santa Claus? And I thought that was interesting. Uh, Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they did that in 1994 and not in 1947. So I realize why. Under God has not always been on the currency in the United States. It was implemented in 1956. Yep. So the first film was before Under God was on any of our currency. But the fact that it's just, it's it's a bizarre concept. And all of these little things that happen that prove that he is actually Santa are such coincidence bullshit. Yeah. And they're so circumstantial. Like, they would have been thrown out of court if we were actually, like, this stuff is, like, nonsense. But it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just because you make one child go, yep, uh-huh, that's definitely Fanna. You know, yep. doesn't, I mean, yes, keep the, the, the wonder alive in the child, but like, we're adults, we know better. If I ever have a child, I have, or, which I probably won't because, you know, millennial who doesn't want kids, woo. But if I ever do, one of my things was I'm not going to teach them Santa is real. I'm going to teach them that Santa as you see it, is representative of the spirit of Christmas. And the important portion of Christmas is charity, giving to people, being with family, doing good deeds, not being mean to others, not doing things that are going to disadvantage or harm others. So it'd be like going to a food pantry, going to a soup kitchen, giving away presents to kids, doing that, like the hope trees, that kind of stuff. And I've told that to other people and they've been horrified they're like oh my god why would you do that your child needs to have the the magic of santa and i'm like honestly i'm horrified by the way we handle things because you're intentionally setting up your child with a lie so that you can then break that magic from them you can have a moment where they are realizing that everyone has lied to them magic isn't real that's terrible. That's why adults are the way that we are. Exactly. Instead, if you set it up as like, this is a spirit, this isn't a real person, this is a symbol, you teach them that thing, this is what it means, this is great, good deeds by other people, that is magic. And if magic does in fact exist, I'm not going to claim it or disprove it because I don't know. And I believe in pro- possibilities and probabilities. Is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? No. Doesn't matter. It could be there. So I personally think that everybody else who does this to kids, who does all these things with like Elf on the Shelf, horrifying. I like the guys, though, that take the Elf on the Shelf and they did that little photo thing every day where it was the Elf pooping out chocolate chips onto the cookies. (laughs) Have you seen those? I have. I have... Elf on the Shelf hijinks, I think, is what it was. I don't know what it's called, but there is basically Elf on the Shelf is up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, but, but like yeah, the people that's... who go out of their way to make footprints out on the roof so that the kids think Santa was here, yay! Like they do all those things, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to see the magic in their eyes." I'm like, I kind of get it. Like I kind of get like the fantasy and magic stuff, but you're literally setting up your child to be devastated. But cool, whatever. And they're like, well, the kid was fine. Yeah, from what you saw, internally, turmoil. But whatever. That's just, 
personal uh, we've, opinion. We've seen, I've seen the Tumblr post about the kid who did a science experiment on his parents. Mm-hmm. Where he didn't announce that he lost a tooth and he put a tooth under his pillow and no tooth fairy came. Yep. There was no money left under his pillow. And the next day when he said that he lost his tooth to his parents, suddenly there was money. And he called foul play. <laughs> yep. Like this. I'm like, that is a wicked smart kid, man. You gotta be scared, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> They're so interesting. Children are very fun. And these shows, they portray them interesting ways. This kind of ties in really well to Wicked Smart Kids with Home Alone. And how Home Alone is basically one child tormenting two robbers so being able to um you know first of all the the fr- frantic family environment that whole like everybody's together nobody really knows every each other they just kind of happen to be related so they just coexist because uh, they only ever all get together once a year yep yeah. Yep, so for... you only know you only know the adults because you've seen them before, but the kids, who knows? Who knows, man? And they're all going on big trip. It's a lot of stress. It has to go off perfectly. There's all these moving pieces, all these children, all of the luggage. They all leave. And then of so course they forget uh, yeah, a lot of money. Capitalism, baby. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And you see, you see them, and then you have the Kevin because she left him behind, and it's so terrifying. And oh no! And then he's just like, "Oh, this isn't too bad, actually." Which, first of all, exactly how I would have reacted as a kid. I I would have tried calling my parents and being like, "Is everything okay?" And then I would have been like, "Well, I guess I'll just stay here." Yes, but see, the thing is, is though that. We didn't, when I was that age, we didn't have cell phones. I wouldn't have been able to call my parents. Oh, I wouldn't have called them on a cell phone. I would have still tried to call them because my parents always had like, where are we going? This is the resort, whatever we're doing. So I'd be yeah, like, Yeah, my parents didn't Hello? do that. <laughs> Mommy? My parents didn't do any of that crap. No. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. So I would have tried finding a way to get a hold of them. I would have had. I just would have I... gone to my neighbor's house and been like, hey. I absolutely um, would have panicked for a portion of the time and been like, they've they've forgotten me. They've left me behind. But once I kind of calmed down a little bit, I'd be like, okay, well, this is life. If someone tried to break in, I wouldn't have been like Mr. Kevin McAllister. That is a whole nother level. I'm not sure. That's a 911 to, call. I'm not sure what to call him and his personality psychosis maybe something there's something going on where his first thought is yes i am going to booby trap this entire house destroy all these items and potentially kill these people (laughs) and you know for a fact that kevin McAllister became the guy who who developed all of the saw stuff right (laughs) yes that is the, like the he is the saw antagonist (laughs) he's he's jigsaw (laughs) yes Kevin McAllister, aka Jigsaw, hundred percent man. His his weird situations are elaborate, and they put you through they put you through some shit, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all because you've wronged him in some way. 
Uh, mm, it's all connected. Oh, the greater cinematic universe of Saw. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you you zoom out and you're like, why are all the Home Alone movies a part of this? <laughs> and then you start zooming in and you go, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and then you zoom in on Home Alone 2 and you go, as awesome as it was to see Tim Curry in it, you also have Rob Schneider and Donald Trump. Blah. 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 Yeah, he got into that movie because he refused to let them use the hotel as a set without him having a cameo. He's such an asshole. Okay. Yeah, 100%. So, woo, but Kevin and his whole shenanigans and all of that. And then like the misunderstandings of the other people in Christmas and how sad it is that the one old guy is alone. Very sad. Very sad. Bag lady. Yes. Yes. And then in the number two in New York with the bird lady and like all these, they have these like, poignant moments with these characters but they're from the point of view of a child and i always feel they're missing aspects of it because you know he's young and he's not getting the full story he doesn't care about the full story but he man he's creative he is very creative clever child and does uh, very terrifying i genuinely just terrifying <laughs> and they have so much of the effort that they have going into trying to break in i mean first of all i had watched my cousin Vinny long before i watched home alone and wow wow yeah <laughs> so joe pesci to me was my cousin Vinny, <laughs> and then i'm watching this and i'm like why is my cousin Vinny trying to break in to why, why is Vinny trying to break in to the uh, house. <laughs> like, uh, how old? How old were you when you saw this? I didn't see Home Alone until I was like eight or not, eight years old. So it was in the mid you, mid nineties. You saw my cousin Vinny as an eight year old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was not allowed to watch anything with the F word in it. Like <laughs> that at that age. Good God. Oh, yeah. my cur We didn't curse in my household, but it wasn't like a bad, like, we're going to shelter you from it because I could walk outside and there would be some person just like cursing at the sky. So, like, there's no point <laughs> in sheltering me from that. I didn't see gore and violence or sex on shows until I was older. But, yeah, if it was just language then there's like yeah this is just a person i hung out with my grandfather's friends that were air force pilots from germany and austria while they were drinking at a german austrian restaurant okay. and yeah i learned a lot of language <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but i I connected those and I was like, yeah, this is my cousin Vinny. So Home Alone was also. And then Home Alone also, when you think about it, is really bad for kids to see because it sets an expectation that they could do those things. Mm -hmm. And like, I wouldn't want my child to think like, absolutely, I could booby trap this with flammable things and and slides and stuff that will kill people. This is great. Yeah. Car and nails and irons and like. What was the thing that he put on the door handle? The electric shock he did? No, it wasn't a shocker. It was the hot thing. Uh, the hot 
coil oh, thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that, what is that used for? Uh, I think it's a- How does he know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I don't know. When you think about it, you're like, this is a, there to, mm, he's probably going to be Jigsaw. It makes total sense. Yeah. So not, not the best, but they're, they're very popular and they always have like, they end in a, on a positive note and they always bothered me. So they're, I mean, generally they're, they're, they're okay. Good films. They're very watchable, but the fact that they exist at all is very, very nineties, early nineties craziness <laughs> for them to to be a thing yeah and i'm gonna bring up a couple more classics here we're gonna go with one that i actually have never seen before it's a wonderful life you've never seen it's a wonderful life I've never seen this movie okay but it's considered a christmas classic it is but why why is it considered a christmas classic because it has all the hallmarks of Learning the Christmas lessons, doing the right thing, giving people money, giving people all that fun stuff. And there's an angel involved. Actually, the real reason it became a a classic was not because of the story, because I think the story, I don't think it was actually a box office hit when it came out. In I don't, fact, yeah, people, I think you're right. People had forgotten about it for a really long time. And then... There was a cable channel or uh, some channel that decided that they wanted to have like a vacation. And so they just put this this video on repeat all day oh, really? around Christmas. That's, that's my understanding. I've heard this story. I want to say it is that it, it became like somebody wanted to save it. Somebody liked it and they wanted to save it. So they did this. But. It seems to me more like it was somebody wanting to go on vacation, so they just put this on a loop. That's fascinating. I think it was an issue with public domain. It came into the public domain because nobody wanted it anymore. Okay, so they anyway. were trying to keep it out of public domain? Is that... But, like, it came into the public domain. And then that's what made in it 19, a classic? In the 70s. In the 70s. And so people were starting to use it but somebody was like no this is a derivative of a different story and then there was a whole copyright thing Uh, but because they wanted to air it in full this became the deal like they started airing it in the full length the director's cut starting in 1994 and they would do that because they just wanted something on the televisions while everybody else got to go off and have their holiday vacation so it would run for like I think 36 to 48 hours like originally it was just a, a day but then it, it kind of extended woof but yeah it's all it's it's definitely not it wasn't considered a classic until it started airing on TNT and TBS really? I want to say I want to say in the early 90s okay and huh. then it was eventually replaced by the Christmas story Ugh. in the late 90s you can you can look it but I mean I grew up with it. I thought it was fun. But yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Again, I've never seen it. It just has a really interesting backstory to why it's considered a Christmas classic. It's yeah. because it's just on there. 
it's only way- considered a Christmas classic because it's been seen by so many people because it's just constantly running on Christmas Day. That is definitely an interesting scenario. I mean, the story on its own is a pretty interesting one. It it has a similar feel to the Christmas story. Uh, sorry, Christmas Carol, not Christmas story. Christmas Carol, yeah. Christmas Carol, because it's teaching basically the same message. And if anybody listening is a Supernatural fan, Clarence is the angel. And that is why Meg calls Castiel Clarence mm-hmm. whenever she is making fun of him. Because she is a pop culture icon. <laughs> and this movie has also been one to have been redone and repurposed in tv shows and other movies and things like that it's been referenced to death yes so it's just the idea behind it is like oh what would life be like if you were never here or whatever if you made a different choice like it's done in so many different aspects that the story itself has lost a lot of its impact that it originally did or it originally was intended Yep. So I know you were saying Christmas story is one that you grew up with and you liked. It was That's not... what I'm gonna bring up, yeah. Yeah. My my family did not like Christmas story, so we didn't watch it in my household. I watched it I watched it twice my entire life. Maybe if I rewatched it I would enjoy it. But I remember very much disliking it. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what you liked about it. I mean, I liked it. I've seen it a couple of times, a few times throughout my life, and my my husband's aunt is obsessed with that movie. So if we're <laughs> Does ever she have a leg lamp? Place, not a full size one, but we did get her a mini one for oh. her treat. <laughs> a little ornament. But every every year on Christmas, when the family goes over to her place, her family's house to celebrate, they have because now Christmas story has replaced It's a Wonderful Life on TBS, they have that playing in the background all day until it's dinner time that's exhausting it is exhausting and i'm saying this from a person who actually enjoyed the movie as a child and even as an adolescent as an adult to see it more than once in a day is too much (laughs) just too much i mean i enjoyed the idea behind it i liked the zaniness of it the weird things that were happening and I always remember this one thing. There's the the character that played, the actor that played, what, Scud Farkas? I think is the guy's name. That that character was played by a uh, guy named Zach Ward. And when I saw him in, when my family started watching a TV show called Titus, with the comedian Christopher Titus as the lead, Zach Ward is playing his younger half-brother. And I sat there and was like, oh my god! It's Scott Farkas from Christmas Story. And my mother looks at me and is like, what are you talking about? That's not possible. And I was like, why isn't it possible? And she's like, because that movie was made so long ago. And I was like, mom, when was that movie made? And she's like, it must have been made in the 60s. And I was like, how can you say that? It was made in 1983. Okay. (laughs) And one of the main characters, the mom, is played by Melinda Dillon who is a pretty recognizable face, I think. Melinda Dillon was in one of my mother's other favorite movies, Harry and the Hendersons. She played the mom in that movie. And the fact that she could not marry the two people, the two characters, as the same woman, the same actress, 
made me just look at her like, Mom, what? And I'm like, no, Mom, that was that was a movie that was made in the 80s. It was about the 40s. And she goes, no, it was done in the 60s. I was like, okay, so here's, let's go to the internet, Mom. The magic she, of the internet that we can now do those confirmations real time. I know. I started realizing that I had this power in college. <laughs> <laughs> When I grew up watching that movie, I liked the idea that it was told through this kid's mind. He was like, this is this is what's happening to me. Of course, it's all exaggerated. Everything that's happening is blown way out of proportion. You've got the, oh my goodness, the, the Santa towards the end of the film, who's just this evil, evil character. Like, all right, let's move it along. Get it out of here. And putting its boot, the sole of his boot, to the kid's face to push him down the slide. Like, is that actually something that happened in the 40s? Are we really thinking that that's something that happened in the 40s? Because, I don't know, man. I get that, like, the teenagers that are the elves helping out and carrying the kids up the stairs and slapping them on this guy's lap all day, they might have been disgruntled. But come on. I don't think so. It's exaggerated. The, the, all of the things that happen seem blown out of proportion the fact that the father who swears you can't actually tell what the swears are because the kids aren't aware of those words you just hear him that's interesting yeah he the fact that the you hear the father in the background doing all of these like and you you can't tell what words he's saying because he's saying gibberish because the kids don't really they're not aware of what those words are see that's another level to it that i didn't quite appreciate because i genuinely was like so he's just shouting gibberish cool oh no (laughs) like the fact that the the neighbor's dogs come in and just terrorize their kitchen and take the turkey away and the father is seen crying over the lack of food you know (laughs) it's it's something it's the the story of this again um white centric american household of that time period basically the middle class kid who's experiencing all of these things and trying to make sense of it in his own brain via the 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 radio shows that he hears like the little orphan annie shows the fact that like he wants the the bb gun because he wants to be like a cowboy the fact that he envisions these these robbers all dressed in black and white striped shirts with little bandit masks around their faces and, and beanie caps pulled down over their heads and all stubbly like they are in cartoons, crawling over their back fence and slowly making their way towards the house and he's just picking them off with his BB gun. Like, that's that's totally from the mind of a child. The entire mm-hmm. situation is from the mind of a child. And yet you can see hints of the narrator's adult mind in the way that the parents react to some of the things because the the story is being told by this adult as he's remembering it from his youth and so looking back on it as we all know memories are are fluid they're not constant what you think you knew today might be different than what you knew yesterday but the fact that as an adult now more experienced he probably sees more of himself in those parents and seeing the frustration the anguish the jealousy the exhaustion with with the rest of the family and portraying them in very subtle ways that a kid might not be able to pick up on but as a child the kid is almost completely unaware 
So I don't know. It it was I, interesting still, for me. It's still not sounding like something for me. I still that hasn't like I'm glad there's more layers. I understand that, but oh man, yeah. that is I've I've definitely grown out of it. It's not something that I I really want to watch, especially having been exposed to it so many times when going over to my family's house. So yeah, but I, the <laughs> fantastical aspect, I'm just like. No. <laughs> it's like I don't like Charlie Brown. I know a lot of people love Charlie Brown. I don't. Yeah, um, it's eh. Eh. So it's it's not for me and it's totally fine. Other people enjoy it. It's not for moi. I will stick to my stuff that other people go, that's bizarre. And I go, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we we at this point, we like holiday movies that are less about the holiday and more about the people. Yeah, that just happen to be existing in the holiday. Yeah, I mean, you've got your love actuallys, which are problematic on many levels. That that move that that movie is a story about a whole bunch of people that just happens to fall during the holiday season. Yeah, um, and people who are making terrible decisions. Horrible decisions. And people who uh, are fat shaming and slut shaming. And Although I will say my favorite couple in the entire movie is Martin Freeman and his eventual girlfriend. They're the stand-ins. The, the stand-ins for, for the, the sex, sex scenes. Sex scenes. Yes. yes. They're getting naked and they don't know each other. And they're like, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. As they're like standing there thrusting against each other. And they're having just a basic conversation. <laughs> As they're trying to get a light reading. I'm like, this right here is my favorite part. Because they're so awkward and cute. And their relationship is adorable as it gets started. But later on at the end, when they're like, oh, so how did you two meet? They're like, um, um, <laughs> I can't really say that they met from work because what <laughs> you know they've seen each other naked before they've even had a first date yep <laughs> they've touched each other naked before they've had a first date so like I thought that they were there's my that's the couple that I want to watch I don't want to I don't care about any of the others really. yeah most of the other stories I'm just like y'all just I, I know a lot of people love the the drama and they're like it's so real and i'm like if this is real i am worried <laughs> yeah right I'm, I'm really worried but like that that's one where they they didn't do romance right in my opinion but where they did do romance right is the holiday yes oh my god that film i could watch it over and over and over first it's of all so good jack black as a romantic interest romantic lead yes please <laughs> yes <laughs> Hundred percent, yes. Not something that I thought I would have said ever before seeing that film. And I went to go see that film. I hunted it down because none of my friends wanted to go see it with me when it first Fools. came out. Fools. And then I was like, Have I missed it? Have I missed my chance, you know, to go see this movie in theaters? And then I happened to be I was basically I as a retail employee, I was being loaned out to a different store across the border. I went from Connecticut to New York. And on my drive there, I happened to pass by a theater that was doing releases of older films. Like, oh, it's not quite on video yet, but it's definitely out of theaters. You can see it here for cheaper over the mm -hmm. next couple of weeks. And I happened to pass by it and I was like, hey, guys, remember that movie you said you didn't want to go? You were going. So <laughs> and neither of them regret it because it was awesome. It's so good. So good. Seriously, it's so good. 
I love it. And they do such a good job of showing characters doing just they, they have the holidays and the different worlds. They're they're totally different worlds. You know, LA to Surrey, England. And how each of them treats this time of year and the holidays and the family and traditions. And it's about finding yourself, being happy with who you are, removing those who are toxic from your life. Accepting the other people in their life as they are as well. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I found that very important. And also, like, because there's, this happens with the the couple, Jack Black and Kate Winslet, a little more than Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. But back in LA, both of them have relationships that aren't great. One's actually mm-hmm. dating, one used to date and isn't anymore, but he's keeping her as like his emotional cheating. On and the hook. On the hook, keeping her on the hook. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And both of them have to realize that like they're holding on to that not because they genuinely love the person or want to be with the person or are good for them, but because they're afraid of being alone. Yep. And they, and because of that. Yeah. They take a lot of abuse. Yeah. And And it's because it's because of them both realizing it around the same time, what they're going through and that they deserve better, that it's okay if they're alone that they end up finding each other. I know. It's so see oh so cute. so cute. I love it so much. And the just the personalities and the fact that they're able to appreciate each other is the best. And that's the other piece where Jude Law's character is so interesting with Cameron Diaz over there because both of them are portraying something. They're, you know, okay, I, I don't cry. I don't feel these things. I'm very serious. Da, da, da. I'm a strong, independent woman. And he's like, I am a strong guy who's, you know, able to go out and on the town. Turns out. He's, he's also super sensitive. Yes, he is super sensitive. Yeah. He is reflecting her. But turns out he is super sensitive. He has kids. He's a widower. He has all this other stuff. She has a ton of baggage from her parents and her past. So like they unpack their baggage together. They decide they're going to go on have a joint carry on and they're going to just continue on with their lives together. And I, I love I love the line when she's like, I can't cry. And he's like, I cry all the time. And it's evidenced. Yes. In the film, there is a moment where like she appears and he's standing there sobbing and he just kind of goes, I've I told you. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm a crier. Yes. They have a lot of that. And so that that's one that is my go-to. And my other go-to when it comes to holidays and romance is the last holiday with Queen Latifah. Oh my god, she's amazing. I love this movie so much because it is one of my favorite genres and tropes in general is just the uh, serendipity misunderstandings. Other people from the outside attribute a lot more to the character than they ever claim. They just interpret what their actions are. They're just like, oh my gosh, they, they must be this really rich person. They must be an executive or somebody from Wall Street. They 
They're doing all these things on purpose. They're following us. They know we're here. And she's just like, I think I'm dying. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to just spend my last holiday and enjoy my life. Yeah, all the money that I've been saving for a rainy day. Well, the rainy day is here. Mm-hmm. And she does amazing things. She's like, why have I been so scared? Where have I been living all my life? And just finally lets go and does such a good job of just being such a true, honest person, enjoying things. I love this movie. I yeah. I connect with it so much. And I love all the misunderstandings that go along throughout the whole thing. And it just happens to take place during the holidays. You know, it's not specifically a Christmas movie. She's there for New Year's. It's it's just like a happening at that time period and is, you know, living her life. So that's one that doesn't it doesn't punch you in the face. The same thing yeah. with like the holiday. Yes, they they talk about it and they're there for that time of year. And that's why it's like a little strange. You're alone for the holidays. That's a little strange. Yeah. But it's also it's not punching you in the face about it. It's more the stories and how they're living around that time. Yeah. The holiday itself is not a character in the film. Yes. It's a setting. Great. And I think great that, way of saying it. And I think that's what a lot of these other Christmas films miss is that they are treating the holiday as the plot it is the main character and all of the other people are acting around it whereas in the holiday and the last holiday in fact and this is i think a very important distinction in england and in europe the word holiday is used in in place of vacation vacation yeah yeah so for the holiday it's literally these two people who find themselves at a point in, in the year where they have nothing else to do. They're on sabbatical from their jobs, right? And they decide that they want to take a vacation, a.k.a. a holiday. Mm -hmm. And that's why they swap houses. And so, yes, it happens to be around the holiday season, but it's more of a vacation from their lives to see and reevaluate what they really want, what yeah. they what they need and the last holiday again she's taking a last hurrah it's her last vacation because she thinks that she has no more life left to live so why not go out with the biggest bang of all time exactly that's a good distinction because like i think of when it, when you come to think of romance and holidays where the holiday is a main character look no further than the hallmark cinematic universe oh my god <laughs> those you just you look at the oh my god if you just look at the screen shot i think i'm gonna put this on on the Good. the twitter post is just i'm all just gonna of, put that image it's just all of the different films from the holiday the lifetime holiday universe guys always they in all green. look like the exact the, same couple the, the guy's <laughs> always green the girl's always wearing red or he's in blue and she's in white. They are the same couple copy pasted. And then somebody was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I copy your work. Okay, I'm going to change the font. <laughs> and they just have, oh, this one's bolded. This one's italics. This one's underlined. It's totally different. It's in wingdings. So they're, they're honestly kind of enjoyable films sometimes. You're just like, oh, okay, I can watch this. This is kind of good hmm. uh, but they are not they're 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 genuinely just following a formula 
They're cookie cutter movies. They're cookie cutter movies. They're they're genuinely the same movie over and over. It's like you're you're not going to be sitting there going, "Wow, this was revolutionary." <laughs> you're just going to be like, oh, "Okay, uh, it's the same. It's the same again." I'm looking at an image right now which has fifteen fifteen different titles showing. Oh man. Okay? Yeah, I'm looking at 15 different titles. All all of their, basically, their box art is what it is. Yes. Every single one of them. The man is wearing green. The woman is wearing red. Every single one of them, right? <laughs> and they are all white couples. Fully white couples. I think one dude in here has blondish hair. The rest of them are all brunette. The women, there's six so just a little over a third of the women are blonde and the rest are brunette. They all have the same face shapes, people. <laughs> this is the same couple going through the same day over and over and over. <laughs> it just keeps going. It just keeps going. The the whole cinema the Hallmark cinematic universe is a fascinating thing. I we could definitely deep dive into that whole phenomena, but I find the existence of these and how quickly they're turned out to be very interesting. The films are still silly, but they they've created a trend that I mean they're they're enjoyable. Like they're not they're not good, but they are watchable and you they're predictable. You know what's going to happen and you're like, "Okay, this is the story." And if you aren't really trying to think too much, or you're just trying to have a feel-good moment, totally go ahead and watch it maybe it'll give you the urge to start baking and make your house smell like pine trees and cinnamon or something gets you in the mood but they're also using that template to try to add diversity in strange i don't know if you saw the film that was on i think it was a hulu special that was last year called happiest season okay so it is a hallmark film basically but it's with a gay couple. It's two ladies, lesbian couple. Kristen Stewart is in it. She is actually amazing in this film. They also have a ton of other people. Uh, Daniel Levy is in it. Victor Garber, oh. Mary Steinberg. Yes. I did. I did see that. Yes. Okay, cool. So they try to follow the same formula, but their stressor wasn't one that fit in with the stressors of that formula and so the resolution wasn't satisfying so the stressors that they have in the other ones are often like i work too hard and i've disconnected from my roots or i've forgotten the meaning of christmas you know whatever they are and then you know some single dad hardware shop owner or Christmas tree farm owner or reindeer breeder is going to be able to somehow with his magic penis teach you the oh meaning of Christmas. So without that, they instead decided that they were going to try to make it work with this lesbian couple who has, oh God, I just, I hate her so much. <laughs> the, the other character, uh, Mackenzie Davis, I think is the one who played her. I don't know. Maybe not the, the, whatever the, the love interest, the main girl and they're like yeah she's she's cool and they're gonna get back together and it's gonna be and they're gonna have this happy like lovely story and they're gonna be so happy together and i'm just like nope kristen stewart is settling and she shouldn't 
<laughs> you had options, sweetie. Like, come on, come on. And their whole whole thing just made like what could have been a really good movie with really good representation into this dissatisfying terrible thing yeah exactly you're just like this is not cool i mean she had aubrey plaza come on (laughs) and yeah and i will be honest as well like when you've got the people that you've got in this movie like even having i forgot aubrey plaza was in this and then i was like wait alison brie too when you've got the people that you've got in this film like it could have been done you could have put almost any story in there and it's and it would have worked better. Yeah. Yes. Like the fact that you have Dan Levy in this. I mean, Dan Levy is a powerhouse of a person. Yes. And his character was like Myth. 10 minutes, 10 yeah. minutes in this film. And I'm like, I came here because I wanted to see the dynamic between Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart, because yes. that, that little teaser in the trailer was what got me to watch the movie. Yeah. Because I loved his like sassy like no 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 no. We are not doing this shit. Like <laughs> like I loved that. And it could have been so much better if he was more involved in the story. And oh, he wasn't and I'm sad. Yeah. It 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 was one of those where it could have been a classic, but it ended up falling short and being disappointing. And instead it kind of just rubbed it in the face of so many people that live this life that those who are making these movies and shows do not understand them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I wish I could write a script and like send it to Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart and be like, if you guys too could play the same types of characters that you were playing in that horrible movie and instead do this one, can we? I would pay to see the two of you have that dynamic for an entire 90 minutes. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then we can bring Abby Praza back and then they can have their wonderful moment. And yeah, and have Allison Brie there, too, for just giggles. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was one of them that was like, mm, it could have been it could have been so much. Yeah. You were the chosen one. You were. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to bring balance to the holidays. What's funny is after looking up all of the holiday, the Hallmark holiday movies, I randomly looked up the Netflix Christmas movies. Have you seen those? Yes, they are following the same pattern. So I last year, I don't know why I did this, but I spent a day watching a Christmas Prince, a Christmas Prince royal wedding Uh and a Christmas Prince, the royal baby. (laughs) So all three of those freaking movies, they are awful (laughs) i don't know why i decided to watch all three of them but they are so bad (laughs) they are so the story in the first one does not make sense the whole romance between the prince and this random person it's an afterthought yeah it doesn't even like become a thing until the last scene he shows up to her her hometown and confesses that he loves her and it's like wait you guys weren't even talking (laughs) you guys didn't have a thing there was no there wasn't even like a lingering glance like what what (laughs) there's no chemistry between the two of you why is this a thing 
they they do have a lot of those royalty and holidays kind of mixed together where like princesses are switched somebody inherits something like that seems to be a a common trope for them yeah I, i will admit though that they have one of my new favorite christmas films which is Klaus. It's animated. It is basically the story of Santa Claus, but it is taking place. It looks like it is made in Spain, but it takes place in some Scandinavian country because it has the Sami people in it. And they're in Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. So it's somewhere in that area. <laughs> okay. And it's very cute. It has a entire town that is at war with each other and it's basically the Hatfields and the McCoys but on like a ridiculous level and monkeys and Capulets yes yeah the humans and the, the Navi I mean to the point where like they literally have battles in the street with cannons and stuff oh so it's a a gangs of new york situation (laughs) yeah you're just like this is ridiculous and then a guy is a postmaster and he has been he's he's the son of the main postmaster guy and he is useless and he just wants to be useless his entire life and his father's like this is your last chance and he is like fine okay so i will go here and he's like yeah once you've had this certain number of letters that you have handled as a postmaster you can come home but nobody's sending letters because they all hate each other so he figures out that you know they can send letters for requests to santa but he's not really Santa. It's this old guy in the woods who is ridiculously attractive. Oh, my God. And he makes beautiful toys out of you know car- wood carvings. And he's fantastic. And, like, nobody really knows him. And so he just makes the toys based on a request from the kids. And that's, like, the whole writing letters to Santa's origin story. It's so freaking cute. And it has some, like, you know, sad moments and things where, like, the guy who was lying about stuff gets his comeuppance. But, you know, overall, it ends up being positive. The animation style is adorable. It's kind of, it reminds me of the animation style that they had in the Harry Potter films when they were doing the Beetle and Bard stories with the uh, the three brothers. The tale of the three brothers, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it has kind of a similar flair to that, but it's so good. So highly recommend it. And if nothing else, people can just sit there and admire the Santa guy because he is so attractive. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very, very cute. So they have some things that are like super freaking cute and super well done. And then they have others where you're just like, somebody just wanted to capitalize on this whole concept like the cinderella story christmas wish the holiday jingle jangle which oh yeah i remember jingle jangle now i haven't seen jingle jangle i don't know if it's good i hope it is i love the cast but i haven't seen it so it needs to go on my list it looks like it might be too ridiculous for me but one can hope that it will be good I think it's a retelling of Christmas Carol, is it? Or am I, like, imagining Oh, no, really? (laughs) We're back full circle. (laughs) Made a full circle. Well, 
we definitely have covered some of my favorite holiday films and we have also gone over some of my least favorite films specifically holiday films yes holiday classics um that I to this day wonder why are considered classic. If they're and now that you've like mentioned what was going on with It's a Wonderful Life, it's starting to make me wonder how often things become a classic just because of overexposure. That could be a marketing thing too. Yeah. That's something that we can get into in another episode of how things are marketed so heavily that they become part of the zeitgeist, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Like I can, there's tons of movies that I know, but I've never seen. Yeah, agreed. It's a Wonderful Life, for example. I know <laughs> the story of it. I've never, ever seen the movie. Never <laughs> once seen the movie. But I know the story because it's been reproduced so often in so many other forms of media that it's like, how can you not know the story? So I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season with whatever traditions, uh, food and family that you have. Uh, if it's found family or, you know, your uh, animal family, animal family or whatever, you know, take this time to recover, take care of yourself, you know, be thankful, but also, you know, set your goals for the coming time because there's there's a lot we we have coming up it's been a crazy little bit of a ride for the last two, two years. years yeah mm-hmm. for and more than that supposedly going on one more year too i mean not just pandemic but all the other stuff that's going on we are living in unprecedented times as they often say on work meetings and we're living we're living in historical events everybody oh no uh, yeah yay as the chinese proverb what uh curse was uh may you live in interesting times i feel like someone said that over my previous life and i was reincarnated so that i could literally live through this moment so that's what's happening and it's great i mean in general life is ticking along even with everything else that happens you know be as active and as many things as we can but it's uh definitely interesting so you know take some time appreciate things and give yourself time to recharge this is a a good time to recharge and this is this is also the time to you know find the joys in the things that you find joy in even if there's something that other people might poo poo doesn't matter if you like it like it Go ahead and collect those Beanie Babies. Go ahead and play Pokemon Go. Go ahead. Watch those Hallmark holiday specials. Uh, Watch the Hallmark holiday specials. That's fine. Read those those grocery store romance novels. I will tell you. Sometimes they're awesome. Yes. Buy Kelly's. (laughs) Buy Kelly's romance novels. They they have great stories. They also are quite steamy. So if you need a little bit of a, um, you know, just distractions. And one of them happens to fall around this time of year. Winter break, everybody. Shameless self-plug. Let's do it. Mm. But yeah, if you you get joy out of something this time of year, if you get joy out of something any time of year, you know, take a breath, take a moment, enjoy it. Don't let other people's influence get you down. Just breathe. Find some peace. Even if it if it's brief, you know, you find some it. peace this holiday season. Yeah, you're alive, and we're thankful you're here. 
and look forward to talking with you when we get back from our break. Send yep, us and- send us what movies you're watching this holiday season. Yeah, send us what movies you hope to see in the coming future. Yes. Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Because I can tell you I haven't. Because <laughs> it's September. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, tell us, email us. We're going to be on a bit of a sabbatical. We are going on break. We will not be seeing you in two weeks. We'll be seeing you in four weeks. So our next episode will be January 19th. We hope you guys have a good holiday season. Breathe in, breathe out, be happy. Find moments of peace this season. We know it's a season of high stress. Having been there, believe me, I have worked retail for about 10 years. It is not fun. This holiday season can be hell on the employees. So we have a moment. We're thinking about you and we... We hope you are doing well, and we look forward to hearing which films or stories, TV shows, TV books. shows, games, whatever you're doing, escapism oh. at its finest. We want to yeah. hear it all. And know that we are not part of the throngs that will be knocking on your door Christmas Eve going, but I'll only be a few minutes. We're not those people. <laughs> nope. We, we know much better than that. Oh, yeah. <sighs> we love you guys. We hope you have a good holiday season. And for that, that wraps up year 2021 of chronic media consumption. Holy Ooh, it's been a fun crap. six months. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on this journey with us. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Happy holidays, whichever ones you celebrate. And thank you from Kelly and me. Thank you and bye-bye. Oh, I love that ending. <laughs> <laughs>